nobody asked for this. Welcome back, everyone, to Nobody Asked For This, just another podcast about movies. I am William. I am Stephen. And uh, to start us off, Stephen, you and I watched a movie together, didn't we? We watched, well, several, but this one particular movie really stands out. Yeah, and we didn't expect it to. Uh, we we no. should preface a little bit. So so here <laughs> at Nobody Asked For This, we do generally talk about movies that, uh, movies or TV shows or media that either let us down, but we have at, at one point talked about stuff that surprised us, and this actually was one of those rare occasions where we jumped into something completely thinking it was going to be awful, and it ended up kind of surprising us. In in some ways, yeah. I mean, I, it wasn't completely awful. It had awful parts and kind of a punch out ending. Yeah. But uh, you know, the the special effects and the you know the costume effects, especially concerning the mandroid, uh, I thought were pretty creative and pretty well done. Yeah. I think really it really helped held my interest. Yeah. So um, uh, so the movie that we're talking about is called The Eliminators uh, or just Eliminators. I've just, seen it under yeah. yeah, I've I've seen it under both titles. It's funny if you just search Eliminators in IMDb, it doesn't come up, but if you search The Eliminators, it comes up. Oh, I've I've gotten it with Eliminators because there's a couple of different. There's a new movie from 2016 with the same title. I didn't I didn't look at it though. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of funny title because they don't really eliminate anything and they never mention themselves as the eliminators in the movie no at all. there's no like who are you we're the eliminators yeah. scene you know it's, <laughs> uh, but it is your basic kind of 80s like let's form a ragtag super group and go a movie and go and, on a quest yeah go shoot the bad guy <laughs> yeah um and the reason you and me watched it is because so there was uh, back in back in the days of B movie support group there was uh, a movie called Arena I really wanted us to watch, and that is most easily found on a film fil- four film collection which you purchased, mm-hmm. and one of the movies on that is The Eliminators, and we put it in specifically because it has our favorite sci fi lady in it, <laughs> our gal, our gal Denise Crosby. Uh, Sci-fi, and I mean, she does regular B movies too, because you know, remember Arizona Heat, uh, stand, you know, is up there. But, yeah, uh, yeah, she does do a lot of B sci-fi. And uh, uh, this was actually about a year before Next Gen, so I don't know if maybe they saw her in this, and this was how she got Next Gen. I don't, I couldn't imagine why. Yeah, that, that is true. <laughs> we'll we'll go into that here in a second. But yeah, n- n- uh, so Denise Crosby, uh, in case anyone doesn't know, she is Natasha Yar on Star Trek Next Generation for the first season. Um, she she bowed out after the first season because she didn't think Star Trek was going to go anywhere, um, which was unfortunate for her career. Um, yes. We do pick on her a lot because admittedly our feeling toward her is she's kind of incapable of really expressing emotion uh, in scenes. But you know what? She's an actress. She's out there. She's working her butt off. Good on you, Denise. Good job. Yeah, she's got she's got the good actor um, that mantra where it's like she really loves the work and the craft. You yeah, know? and she she just keeps working, and you know that's great. Uh, so alongside uh, Denise Crosby in this, we do have Andrew Pine uh, as a mercenary called Harry Fontana. Um, uh, you may know him from one one episode of Deep Space Nine as uh, Legate Terrell. <laughs> he was also, I know him better from the one episode of Next Gen as the guy uh, in the episode where Riker thinks he's being held against his will in an alien mental asylum. 
Yeah. Uh, he's the he's like the doctor who's torturing him. He's really just some government stooge trying to get information out of him. <laughs> Uh, and then we have uh, Patrick Reynolds, uh, who plays the Mandroid, uh, who is a yes. cyborg in this movie. Uh, he was the third Krishna in Airplane, and yeah, he was the also three, three of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he was the third Krishna in Airplane, and he's also a dancer in Xanadu. I, I wonder if uh, he was the third Krishna punched in the face by Robert Stack in that wonderful scene where Robert Stack's got to walk through the air, the terminal, and he's just punching all the. Because that, that joke plays on a theme where, like, the religious cultists would go to airports and hand out their literature and stuff. So I'm betting he was one of those guys. Yeah. Uh, that, that's exactly, yeah, what, what he played in that. And I actually I actually think we need to watch Airplane now to see if Robert Stack punches uh, Patrick yes. Reynolds. Well, I think. I've, I actually watched that about a week ago. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll watch it again anyway. All right. Uh, then this we have a good movie. It, it is great. Uh, yeah, air, air, we we refuse to talk about airplane in any seriousness on this podcast because we love airplane. We're not worthy. Yeah, uh, Conan Lee uh, is also in this film. Uh, he played Kuji the ninja, uh, and uh, in it he plays the son of our good evil scientist. We'll go into that here in a second. Uh, but he was in things like MacGyver, uh, Big Trouble Little China, and he did a voice for Mulan, the Disney film. Oh, how nice! Yeah, so uh, so Conan Lee's had a, a pretty pretty cool uh, pretty cool uh, career there. Uh, we also yeah. have uh, Tad Harino, who uh, plays Takata, the good evil scientist. Um, mm-hmm. He he appeared in stuff like Mash, 1970s Wonder Woman. Um, he was he had a part in Galaxina, which I'll have to rewatch Galaxina to see who he is. And his most famous role, a, a role that if you're a Bill and Ted fan, he was Confucius in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Oh. How nice. Yeah, right? I like that. Yeah. And then our... Very cool. Yeah. And then, well, my favorite actor in this is... Uh, I can't remember his name, but he's like the he's like the bad guy's top henchman. The really fat guy with a beard. Yeah, yeah. And he, he is best known for his role at the beginning of Terminator 2 as the man in the bar who confronts Arnold with the shotgun when he gets on the bike. He's like, can't, can't let you take a man's wheel, son. I'm going to get off that bike before I put you down. And Arnold, just think, not only does he obtain his shotgun, but also his shades <laughs> for the movie in that scene. And that's probably his best on-camera appearance. Yeah, because his on-camera appearance in this film was uh, sweaty uh, and mostly made of hot dogs. And getting shot in the dick by his boss. <laughs> with with, a, a, with a, a beam of electricity. <laughs> yes. Not with a gun. That's what we should point that out. It was yeah, He shot yeah. him in the dick with a spark. It does kind of because, oh, yeah, we'll get to that, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and speaking of our bad guy, our bad guy is Roy Dotrice, uh, uh, playing the evil villain Abbott Reeves. He's an evil mad scientist with a time machine uh, who I like to affectionately the refer to. Kind. The worst kind. And I affectionately yeah. refer to him as Mecha Caesar. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he's had he's had little parts in Game of Thrones, Sliders, Hercules, Spider-Man, the animated series, uh, Tales from the Crypt. So... He's, he's yeah, the, he uh, he's one of those guys who plays like three or four different characters, like one a year on a on a TV drama. You know, they just keep bringing him back, and he just keeps playing different characters. Yeah, and then like the guest star of the week kind of guy. Great career. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's legit stuff that he was in. So that's kind of cool to see that we had a bad guy with uh, with uh, 
I don't know if pedigree is the right word, but with experience. I mean, he he yeah. actually brought something to the table uh, with this movie. And, yeah, and yeah. Spe- yeah. Gravitas. Yeah, yeah. He was actually pretty good. I actually, like you said, we'll get into the movie, but I mean, I actually, I didn't mind him in this film. Um, and here's here's something that, uh, so I exclaimed this and, and Stephen was quite surprised that I knew who this person was and he, he doesn't know much about him, but Charles Band is the producer of this movie. Mm. Now, Charles Band is important to movie history and the fact that he makes so much terrible shit, but he makes it so fast. He, he's like, oh, yeah. he's like Roger Corman. Only Roger Corman can make a really competent film when you give him money and time. Mm-hmm. Charles band just takes whatever money you'll give him and just says, okay, people go make a movie and, and I'll, I'll reap the profits. Well, well, he got the right people, especially one guy named John Carl Beekler to do the special effects. Yes. Uh, Cause he does, you know, the physics, the practical special effects. So he did like the Mandroid suit and, and the, the mobile unit, which we'll talk about, and the little floating uh, Vincent guy, uh, Spot, the robot. Um, and he's been like all over B-movie, like sci-fi stuff. He did the Ghoulies in Ghoulies. He created did, those. He did the Critters too, right? Um, he worked on Critters, I think. No, I, I don't think so. But he did create the Troll in Troll. troll. <laughs> and he also created the Garbage Pail Kids in... Oh. The Garbage Pail Kids. That's pretty cool. That is, that is a nostalgia favorite and, of mine. Yeah, yeah. And also worked, you know, just makeup effects and, and practical body horror type stuff. Like did a lot of uh, Stuart Gordon movies. Like he was in Reanim- he did Reanimator, uh, the makeup for that. And, Ooh, okay. Uh, the, the scene that completely fucked with my brain because I saw it too young from be- in From Beyond where the thing pops out of Jeffrey Combs' head. Oh, yeah, the penal gland. Yeah, the, that's so. That's John Carl Beekler right there. Well, so. Beekler is a absolutely talented uh, gentleman. <laughs> I know he truly is. This this movie, yeah. as you said, uh, as we get into it, the the practical effects in this are absolutely amazing. Which is why I was so surprised it's a Charles Band film to to kind of set up the things that Charles Band has been a producer of, so you can get kind of a, a baseline for this. Charles Band is the producer producer of the Puppet Master series, pretty much every yeah. Puppet Master movie. Which yeah. a couple of those are pretty entertaining, but the rest of them are strictly terrible. Uh, if yeah, if, if anyone out there is a fan of The Room, watch Retro Puppet Master. Um, <laughs> it's it's a uh, it's proto Mark. Then uh, Charles Band also produced stuff like Trancers, Ghoulies, Troll, Breeders, Robot Holocaust, Robot uh-huh. Robot <laughs> Jocks, uh, yes. D- Doll Man, Demonic Toys, <laughs> The Killer Eye, but he didn't have his, his actual name on there. He changed his name for it. Oh, is that the David Dakota film? Yes, it is the, it is oh the Richard Chasen film. Um, oh, did you write- <laughs> And uh, he, nobody will know. Nobody will know. <laughs> <laughs> um, he also, you'll love this one. He's also a producer on Laser Blast. Yay. And he did a few kids movies and a lot of softcore porn. <laughs> as he a producer maybe maybe could have separated that a bit uh, <laughs> i wanted i wanted the ironic um, um contrast <laughs> well it's weird is he also is credited with making a movie in the 90s called mandroid yes which is uh, a different completely different story uh, altogether which is a big like a, a suit actual not a, not a cyborg yeah it's a man in a wheelchair and he so, can psychically control the robot i i i watched a uh i watched a I'm sure he trailer it, it off yeah oh yeah from this um definitely it's like any <laughs> any horror movie that ends in er 
trancers, critters, spellcasters, yeah. puppet masters, you know. Exactly. That's a, that's your B movie right there. Well, and and as as far as directing, um, this movie does have, at least in my opinion, some directing clout. Um, it is directed by Peter Manugian. I always get that wrong, that name wrong. Peter Manugian directed this film, which um, he directed that B movie. I'm a super fan of Arena. He directed mm-hmm. that, and he also directed Demonic Toys, which I do have to say Demonic Toys has its little wins in there as far as entertainment. So um, I like I like Mnugin. He did he did a good job. Very good. And into the movie. <laughs> with, what he, with what he had, yes. Yes, with what he had. I, again, I feel like Mnugin is a lot like Roger Corman. You give him... You you give him the money and the talent, and he can probably make you a re- he could probably direct a really good film. Um, mm-hmm. As far as this plot goes, so as you were saying, it is a standard '80s sci-fi movie. So evil scientist makes a cyborg to use in his time machine. Cyborg finishes mich- mission, and evil scientist says to dismantle him. A uh, good evil scientist helps the cyborg escape. Good evil scientist dies. Cyborg goes to lady scientist to get fixed. Uh, lady scientist and cyborg hire a river guide to take them to where the cyborg originally died, which we're still confused as to exactly why they did that. Um, <laughs> Denise Crosby, Crosby takes her top off. Uh, they meet cavemen. Yes. Uh, then they meet a ninja who is the son of the good scientist. Then they attack the evil scientist later. Cyborg uh, sacrifices himself. Uh, so he kind of Han Solo's out. And uh, evil scientist goes back in time to take over Rome, but they defeat him by punching a keyboard. Yeah. Okay. We're done here. Bye now. Yep. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. Uh, but you forgot Bayou Betty, the most important character in the movie. Well, because I, I wanted to give kind of a general <laughs> general basis. I, I feel like a good portion of this could be us talking about Bayou Betty because I do it's, love Bayou Betty. It's very formulaic because it reminds me a lot of uh, Order of the Black Eagle, which is a ragtag group led by a secret agent infiltrate a tropical stronghold to defeat uh, an evil scientist trying to resurrect Hitler. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's the same kind of weird ragtag group genre, you know, like same thing with like low blow where he also forms a ragtag group of (laughs) losers (laughs) of misfits. Yeah. Or, uh, or defeat the bad guy or uh, kill and kill again. That's a that's a good um, good uh, ragtag group one also. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not familiar. I, I I that's that's one I still need to get you to to watch. It's it's a great bad movie. I just kind of ran across, which is really sad. Right after I came, I ran across it, Rift Tracks released a Rift Track of it. So, um, but it it's it's terrific. I I those, highly suggest it. It's on Prime. Those professional commentators. Those, yeah. Dang it. We, hey, oh well, we, they've got some clout. We'll 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 get them. We got like 25 ish years, but we'll get them. We'll get them. <laughs> We'll we'll be they'll better be, than them. We'll be better than them when they die. <laughs> they'll be dead soon, so we'll be fine. We'll be there to take over. <laughs> uh, Rift tracks, guys. We love you. Just FYI, we are huge fans. Um, so yeah, so so this movie, as you said, it's very formulaic. So you know, it, you have you have the the. I mean, our bad guy. He is exactly that. He is stereotypical evil scientist. We don't exactly know why he he wanted the time machine in the beginning of the movie, but he has this time machine and only the cyborg can go through it and he brings back a Roman shield and and we were actually very confused which the shield comes full circle. So I'm actually kind of proud of that writing. Um yeah. But we were very confused in the beginning, but then we we kept watching and we're like we're waiting to be disappointed, like like utterly disappointed. Um and as you mentioned, the end kind of does it, but the movie 
kind of kept going. Yeah. There weren't any like long like stretches of boredom or it wasn't, it's not like one of those movies where they have like a big action scene at the beginning and then there's nothing for 80 minutes uh, except people talking on the phone or, you know, just walking around a back lot somewhere. Uh, it, it keeps your interest with us constant action, even though it's a little kind of shoehorned in, um, you know, especially with this whole river guide uh, economy in, in Mexico. <laughs> uh, this this very competitive uh, industry of speedboat river guides. <laughs> yeah, so... So yeah, the, the movie begins, you know, and and the evil scientist wants to dismantle the Manborg. The Manborg gets out, but the good scientist dies. And uh, which, by the way, has one of the coolest props, uh, physical props I have ever seen in a movie, as far as costumes go. This cyborg has this thing where he takes his legs off and he like plugs himself into a fucking tank. Yeah, and it's but it's real. This thing is full size. It functions. It act, it's like going downstairs and flipping around in the dirt, and he's shooting people, and it looks fucking amazing. And it looks like the way they have the actor's legs kind of at a, a slight reverse angle. It looks like a torso on a platform. Yes. And then when he when he disengages, he's got some. They do some really cool editing where he puts his legs back on. He's got some fake legs. That, that looked the same as his real costume legs. And, you know, it's, it's really cool how yeah. they, they do that. And he's also got this thing on his left arm, which is like his Robocop gun, where he's got different attachments that do different things, a uh, torpedo, a laser, a flamethrower kind of thing, or a rocket launcher. And the way they do it is they pin the actor. He's got like a backpack anyway, so they just pin the actor's left arm behind him in that backpack and have this fake you know, this prosthetic application that's got all this cool actual, you know, physical movement to it. And uh, he just takes it on and off and, you know, it's a really good job. Yeah. That. That's well, that guy I was talking about, John called Beat. Carl Beekler. Yeah. And yeah, again, huge props to Beekler because you and me have watched plenty of bad movies where we've someone's, you know, dead on the ground and they're missing an arm or something like that. And you can just see it stuffed down their shirt, you know, or something <laughs> like that. There's that whole like, you know, like one third wider than it should be torso right. thing. But they actually, that's what kind of surprised me about this is when we saw that, we saw him taking his arm off, you and me are like, ah, oh, bad fake arm. And then they showed it and it's like, wow, really good fake arm. And there was only one awkward shot in the whole movie where he kind of tell his torso was kind of pulled to one side where he was tucking his arm away. Um, but that was it. And, and that really surprised me. We, we, we turned this on thinking that we were just going to have, you know, have some drinks and, 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 you know, de-stress from life a little bit, watching some shitty, sh shitty movie. And then we get <laughs> treated to actual good effects. Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of, threw me for a loop. Um, and even like his tor like you mentioned the torpedo arm and they shoot the torpedo, the tor torpedo going under the water looks great. Uh, his, he had a, like a magnet grappling hook thing in one of his arms that actually mm -hmm. looked, I actually really liked how they did that. Uh, it didn't look, cause a lot of times you get that, like that bounce to things where you, you could tell it's a string getting pulled to another things. And it kind of has that like wobble or bounce, or you can tell that they did like a sideways shot where they're actually dropping it. It's not, you know, heading through the air, but it always looks kind of awkward. This one, it went whoop, right to wherever it was going. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm thinking they, they had an actual magnet and they did some reverse shots, but they're good. They look great. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's kind of held back by its story and. I, I don't know. It's yeah. It's like a lot of effort on the special effects, but really bad 
storytelling, unfortunately, and bad acting, of course, from uh, Andrew Prine and, and Denise Crosby. Yeah. Although Andrew Prine holds his own in a few scenes, but he's just really, he's kind of, he's just kind of going through the motions. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he... He really is. So, so they do that. So, uh, yeah, he, he Manborg gets out. Um, he ditches his mobile unit cause it gets a little damaged, but he's fucked up. He gets to the, the scientists told him, uh, to get to, uh, was it? It's command, commander, uh, Hunter, oh, Cur- Colonel Hunter, Hunter. Colonel Hunter. Yes. So he's expecting a man and he finds a woman and she's oh, actually, a, yeah, but she, she's a cybernetist scientist in the military, but she agrees to help him. And so she fixes him up, and she's got an absolutely adorable R2-D2 ripoff. Yeah, well, she's also the former assistant of the evil scientist Reeves. That's right. And when, when she meets uh, Mandroid, he, she, know, she realizes, like, hey, this is my work, but adapted for the wrong purpose. Like, I, I was going to build, I was building this circuitry and these joints and these cybernetic parts for you know droids on the moon or yes whatever, space platforms yeah they were supposed to be robotic so ex- excavators or something yeah and so but that's it's you know, like it's amazing that he's taken this and adapted it for cyborg technology and and oh no he's got time travel because john or he they, call, they come he comes to call himself john doe uh the mandroid also uh while in the opening sequence while he's traveling back in time to meet some roman soldiers and steal one of their shields He's also having flashbacks to the accident that crippled him, which was apparently a single fighter pilot crash, uh, which was also in somewhere in Mexico near Reeves's compound. So it's like you put two and two together. He found the dying John Doe and put him into the Mandroid suit. And because he's uh, Denise Crosby looks in his brain and says, Oh, you don't have a whole lot of memory chips in here. That's probably why you can't remember who you are. And, uh, so he he's kind of like a new entity now almost. Yeah. Kind of kind of more even more so than like Alex Murphy versus RoboCop his two existences. Uh, he's more mandroid than John. Yeah, it's 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 much different than RoboCop thing cuz when when like he's he's aware that he used to be someone else. Even from the beginning he's like, "Oh yeah, I, I used to be some other guy and then uh uh the di- you know, uh the doctor fixed me and now I'm, I'm the mandroid and I'm cool with that. He just kind of, Mm -hmm. so that, that's that kind of thing in storytelling that you and me were guessing it. We're like, Oh, uh, scientist man shot down his plane intentionally to use him as a manborg, and he's going to find out and he's going to be angry. And that didn't happen. So there's a, yeah, there's that gap in the storytelling. Like you were talking about you. And he was just a Guinea pig. He, you know, because like, Oh, time travel works. I'll just, Put him in the closet now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what. It, yeah, he needed. He literally needed the manborg to do that one thing, and that was it. It's a lot of cost, you know, to get a Roman shield. I think like some yeah. antiquities dealer could have got him one for probably less money. Yeah. Well, you see why he wanted it, but he uh, he was trying to look. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we should skip ahead too far, but he had you know he he's got all this authentic Roman crap somewhere stashed, but then. You know, his appearance later, it's, it's a little different. It's a little radical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so he meets, he meets, scient- uh, Manborg meets scientist lady. They go down to Mexico because uh, I guess they, they feel like he'll learn something about himself if, if he finds the uh, the spot where his plane crashed. So Denise Crosby and and Pine as, as man, Prine as Mandroid, or sorry, not Prine, but Reynolds as Mandroid, uh, 
go down to Mexico to find their thing. And they start looking for a river guide because they need to go down the river to find where this thing has crashed. And this is where we get treated to not only Harry Fontana, who I actually, I actually don't mind his, uh, his character. He, he fit in the movie. Like you said, he's playing it by the numbers. He's just kind of going through the motions, but the character is there. And then yeah. our absolute gem in the film, Bayou Betty. <laughs> yeah. Bayou Betty. Before Denise Crosby walks into this cantina, Bayou Betty and her, uh, I guess, assistant. Yeah. Her, her randomly guy, French scaredy cat assistant. A very effeminate dude putting on a, a thick a fake accent. Like they're confronting Fontana because Fontana gets work as a river guide, even though he has a crappy boat because <laughs> he, he does this, Weird, one weird trick of charging less than Betty. <laughs> and which we all Betty's, know in the world of commerce yeah. is so unheard of. That's you can't compete with that because Betty has a brand new shiny speedboat that uh, she, she needs fares down the river to pay off. So she's just about to punch Fontana out when Denise Crosby arrives and says, announces that she just wants the toughest river guide in the bar and everything goes ape shit. <laughs> everyone just decides to demonstrate their toughness by punching the nearest person yeah. and starting a bar brawl. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> one of the coolest, but most surprising things we got there. And, and it kind of took us a second to realize what happened. It's, it's like they cut, they, they edited the editor cut into half. Like the fight was already a third of the way going as <laughs> it, cause it's everyone's just like, Oh my God, punch, punch, punch. Like yeah. it's, there's no, like there's no like sizing up of an opponent or, yeah. Or any sort of hesitation. It's just, Finally, like she punches the assistant guy, Betty does. Yeah, she punches <laughs> her own assistant to get things started, and then other people just start punching each other. They they like yeah. run on Betty's uh, Betty's cue, and and yeah, except for the wily Fontana who sneaks some drinks and stuff. Yeah, so so yeah, so Denise Crosby's character she asked for the uh, the toughest uh, river tour guide, but once uh, once that fighting starts happening, for some reason she doesn't watch. She goes and like walks outside. And so she was not expecting that. Yeah. So Fontana, she's a woman of science. <laughs> and when she's military, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't rabble rouse like this. Uh, but Fontana, he just hides behind the bar and waits till the fighting is over. Mm -hmm. And he smacks Bayou Betty over the head with a bottle, knocks her out. And then he's the only one who walks out of the building. Therefore basically making it like, Oh, I'm the toughest one. Mm -hmm. That's and, another business strategy is to eliminate your competition. Yes. Even if it's, <laughs> even if it means letting them eliminate each other in a yes. wildly entertaining, but wholly inappropriate bar, bar, <laughs> bar brawl. Yeah. <laughs> Which we, I can't, so, I, I can't emphasize that enough. I, I apologize for interrupting, but I love the bar brawl. The, the bar brawl in that movie to me is equivalent in entertainment to the fist fight and they live. Like it just yes. was like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy so so john uh because he's got his cyborg parts are completely visible he's like in he's like he's dressed thing, up like dark man or the thing yeah he's yeah. in this uh, oddly <laughs> you know fitted trench coat and, and fedora and uh, with a bandage over his uh, head part and uh and they go up river and then i guess the next 20 minutes betty really wants that fare she yeah. really wants Denise Crosby's money so much so that she's willing to shoot at them <laughs> for it. With like shotguns uh, and stuff. Not even, they're not taking precision shots with like yeah. trained snipers. She has, she has not one, she has like four awesome crazy speedboats. And, right. 
And yeah, they are all just taking pot shots at this crappy boat with the three people they want money from, or the two people yeah. at that point. But yeah, the people please, they want money from. Please give us your business instead. And literally, there's a confrontation when the Fontana's engine breaks down and Denise Crosby's trying to fix it. And Betty just pulls right on up and says, okay, you're coming on my boat now. And it's like, and you're going to pay me the money to take, you know, it's like, I don't see how this works. Like, why is this even like, you should have been done with Betty at the bar. That, yeah. that should have been it. Uh, but I guess this causes enough of a ruckus that, you know, fat bearded henchman and his uh, Mexican uh, sidekick from Reeves's camp are alerted to the presence of the Mandroid uh, and the, you know, trying to get to Mexico or return to the compound. Yeah. I, so maybe, maybe it does have a purpose, but it's, it's awfully bizarre. Well, it's, it's, it's done a little incorrectly. What, what I really wanted. So when they, when they meet the henchmen, you know, the henchman blows up Betty's boat and, and you know, basically like threatens them. Um, but I, I wanted that to be different. I wanted, we, we needed the, we needed the river guy, you know, we needed Fontaine to be taking them down river and like they're fixing the boat and then, Fontaine hears an hears a boat coming, so he like they like pull the boat behind some reeds or something since it's still broken, and just and have henchmen go go by, and then have Denise Crosby's character say, "Oh, you know who's the, who are they?" and have Fontaine be like, "We don't mess with those guys. Those guys own the river." And then cut mm -hmm. to that those guys catch up with Betty and her bunch and just kill them to show that like they're just. You know, as soon as they say, "Oh yeah, some weird looking guy and his his her lady with a robot," and they go, "Oh yeah, really?" and they just murder yeah. murder Betty. That that's what needed to happen. But instead, it came it's, off like like it, it came off almost like Animal House or like Porky's kind of comedy. You know, with the yeah, ah, get out of here. It's definitely played for comedy, especially because I think it's uh, it's Mandroid with this torpedo that blows up Betty's boat, and they just leave him floating in the river there once they get the engine fixed, and then. Like the henchmen show up and they're like, we'll rescue you if you tell us where who you're chasing and where they're going. And Betty spills the beans. It's like, oh, it's a guy and a weird dude, and, you know, and some river guide. And he just pushes her off the boat and it's played for laughs. And you never see Betty or her yeah. boyfriend again. Which is really like, sad because we loved Betty. Yeah. I, I, want, well, she I want another She could have come to the rescue or something at the end or I don't know. Maybe she had a different boat. I don't know. You know, could have that, reformed. Yeah, that well, and not even reformed. It could have been the the whole thing, almost you know, almost like uh, almost like the mobsters and the police in in the Rocketeer. You know, at the end they're like, oh, we have a joint cause, like we're friends oh, right yeah. now. Yeah. They could have done something like that, like have Bayou Betty and her boys show up and be like, I don't give a shit about you, Fontaine. This guy, you know, this guy blew up my other boat or something like that, or like you know, <laughs> you know, or or just you know, have her what? pissed off. <laughs> This, a mad scientist is trying to travel back to take over ancient Rome. I'm on your side. I may not be a 100% legit businesswoman, but heck, I'm on the side of good. Yeah. <laughs> that. Well, and, and that could have still been funny, but played much better in this film, I think. Yeah. Uh, but instead, she drowns or probably gets eaten by piranha or something. Yeah, yeah. Or, or are there alligators in, in Mexico rivers? I, I don't think so. I don't believe so. I think it's piranha you want to look out for there. Okay. <laughs> trained barracudas evil penguins with uh jetpacks <laughs> sharks <laughs> with freaking laser beams attached to their freaking heads <laughs> anyway well so from there we move on and uh they get to the beach basically mandroid wants to go overland versus taking the boat the rest of the way and they they find his they find his plane 
And when they find his plane, you know, uh, Denise Crosby goes and swims into it because it's all broken in half. And she finds a picture of him and some girl, the mandroid and some girl, and she tries to get out, but a small piece of wood that couldn't possibly block the entrance <laughs> uh, blocks it. And so Denise Crosby can't get out. Uh, and then, you know, and then Fontana or Fontaine or Fon blah, 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 Prine basically shows back up and he helps them get out. And then we get, uh, you know, Denise Crosby in a wet t-shirt and some side boob. So the movie, Mm -hmm. you know, the movie shows that exact moment to try to hold our attention and have a way less rapey tops, topless scene of Denise Crosby (laughs) than in, uh, Arizona heat much more tastefully done. Yeah. (laughs) The, the topless Denise Crosby in, in Arizona heat is damaging. Yeah. So they they continue, they all get on Fontana's boat and continue on their way. And I guess he hits the gas a little too much and Mandroid and Spot the robot just fall out. Yeah. And drown and sink. Pre- presumed for dead because they spend about two minutes searching for them. Yeah. Uh, and then they're like, I guess we got to complete our mission by ourselves now <laughs> without the Mandroid. Yeah, Mandroid and Spot the Bot. Spot the Bot is not yeah. there, unfortunately. Which I, I, again, I still, I love Spot. I don't care if he's an R two D two ripoff. I love Spot. He's just a he's, little. He's a floating. Uh, he's a floating little two clawed, you know, uh, yeah. red laser faced kind of. Uh, uh, what was that? What was that robot you shot at with the Nintendo? I always forget. What I don't that was know called. about. I don't know about that, but it reminds me of uh, Vincent and Bob from the black hole, except that he, he doesn't talk. He just beeps. Yeah. He's like BB-8 because she understands. He's like BB-8 and Ray because she understands the beeps. So he just beeps at her. And Denise Crosby knows what he's saying. Well, and knows I- that he's, he's given attitude sometimes too. <laughs> well, it kind of makes sense though. Denise Crosby built him. So she kind of would know his language, I suppose. But uh, mm-hmm. then we but meet like cavemen. Little- oh. <laughs> well, oh. Well, I was just going to say the, the prop, you know, when Spot and Mandroid, obviously they crawl out of the river eventually. Spot the prop is built so well. It's got the literal little uh, windshield wiper uh, squirt things on the front to show that he's draining himself of water. Yeah, that he you know it's like that's so cool. It's just very well thought out. Yeah, and I, I don't think they ever overuse Spot either. They never made him annoying. He's just kind of a neat little set piece. It's like hey, yeah, you know Denise Crosby's character is so good with robotics. She has her own little robot buddy, and they make a little mount so that he's kind of looks like he's sitting on Mandroid's shoulder, but he's actually. Just very hovering, very close by. Yes. So, and that's really that's also really cool. Yeah, because their spot likes Mandroid quite a bit. He does. Uh, well, and he, he's puppeteered through the backpack a couple times, so he's actually there on Mandroid's shoulder, uh-huh. and his head's moving, and his claws are moving. It's 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 wonderful. It is it is uh, Henson wonderful, but without the fluffiness. <laughs> <laughs> But, but, you know, so as you said, you know, Mandroid and Mandroid and Spot, we realize that they're alive. They're just a little wet and our other protagonists are being attacked by cavemen. Yeah. Neanderthals show up. Yeah. Because I guess a side effect of the time travel experiments, uh, even though he's aiming for ancient Rome, he brings Neanderthals from hundreds of thousands of years ago into the future somehow. Yes. Which uh, I, I think they, I think there's like a little one-off comment about, you know, uh, you know, the, the time travel wasn't, you know, well put together at first. So he made a couple mistakes <laughs> and that's why these guys are there, which is weird because they, they confuse the, the cavemen by making out and then they do the most dangerous thing you could ever do. And they throw a handful of nine millimeter rounds into a fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well there's a little 
kind of a, a Ewok moment where they get captured by the Neanderthals and so they have to figure out how to escape. And it's like they're going to use their 20th century magic against them. Mm. And <laughs> yeah, there's some like turmeric smoke. <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't one, like one of the Neanderthals is like just throwing sulfur around or whatever, like some yellow powder. Yeah. That probably also came forward in time with them. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they like picked up the whole village. Maybe there's a crater somewhere in your yeah. Neanderthal times, and then there's like a lump of of hill tucked away that has their whole village on it. Right. I, I think you and me were joking that like the powder they were throwing out throwing around was like phosphorus mixed with <laughs> mixed with like sulfur, <laughs> you know, something absolutely like deadly. But uh, it, it's such a I don't know. It's a weird moment because it it would be different if like they got attacked by a couple cavemen. And they managed to fight him off with the help of the ninja, which we'll get into the ninja here in a second. But it would be different if a couple cavemen came out and they kind of fought them off and, you know, killed them because they had to, you know, because they're being attacked. And then, you know, Fontaine or Fontana is like, hey, why are what are these? And and Denise Crosby was like, well, if he has time stuff, maybe some mistakes were made. Looks like he brought something, something else back or even even later have some one off comment from the bad guy that, you know, he realized that Neanderthals are good guard dogs, you know? Or how how about you have uh, Kuji the ninja fight an actual ninja from uh, feudal Japan? Oh, that would have been so great. That would have been like, so, so great. Like he, And he's like, oh my gosh, I'd never in my wildest dreams thought I would fight an actual, you know, ninja. You know, I'm, a 20th, century, <laughs> I, I, I'm a 20th century ninja. I, I read about it in a book. Uh, I took classes at the Y. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that you know that that actually would have been that would have been way better. Yeah, they find like a ninja uh just yeah, wander around. Even, even a samurai would have been fine, you know, some guy with a sword. Yeah. Feudal Japan, you know. And and so that brings us that brings us to Kuji, the r- most random ninja uh ever, I think, cuz uh <laughs> we they literally just run into him. Uh, Mandroid does, and yeah. he when they get separated, yeah, yeah. And he, uh, Kuji is meditating by a river and like reverse, uh, film reverse, stealing fish out of the river to cook. Uh, <laughs> which it, it was, a, it was a little cheesy, but you, I, I, I think I was more I, receptive to it. But it, it, I would have believed it if he had actual like did a spearfish type thing, and he said he just grabbing fish out of the water. I don't think so. Yeah, but I, I liked it because I'm like, okay, you're going to throw a ninja in randomly, have him do something ridiculously like stereotypical <laughs> kung fu movie-ish. And I I think the I think the reverse reversed film of dropping the fish into the river was perfect for kind of that, that little wink to it's, kung fu movies. It, it's very Charles Band. <laughs> it's uh, very much like catching the fly with chopsticks. Yes. Very much so. Uh, but I, I didn't mind it. And I didn't mind Kuji. Uh, I, I wish you actually would have come into the film sooner. Um, That's the thing is, yeah, he there's like 20 minutes left of this movie. And then it's like, we're, oh, a brand new character. <laughs> yeah. Or have him shadowing him the whole time. You know, have when they, they when they leave the lab, you know, have him like in the darkness and he like jumps away. And then have them when everyone's brawling in the bar, have him sitting in the back with a hood, you know. Ha- have yeah. him pop up a couple times. Let, let Give us the fact that like he... He also knew about uh, uh, about Colonel Hunter and was going to find her. And Manborg got there, and he wasn't sure about Manborg, so he's you know he kind of stayed away until until later. Like have have something like that, but to just kind of shoehorn him in, 
was it was a little clunky for the storytelling because all of a sudden it, it's almost like the writing uh, or the ri- the writers were thinking, okay, you know, like, yeah, like three people and a little robot, that's cool, but, you know, you really want like a team of four, you know, <laughs> let's, let's, let's get one more guy. And like one guy in the back's like, how about a ninja? And yeah. like, okay, uh, okay, where are we? We're in act three. Ah, fuck it, put a ninja in. Yeah, well, and it makes sense. He's the son of the Japanese, a former right hand man. Yes. And he's searching, you know, all he knows about his dad is that he came to Mexico to work for Dr. Reeves and he hasn't been seen or heard from since. So he's just kind of like, he has no mission. He just wants to find his dad. And when Mandroid tells him uh, he witnessed his father's death at the hand of Reeves' henchman, then he's like, I, I, will, I pledge my sword to you, you know. <laughs> yeah. You have my sword and my axe and my bow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> yeah, he's got a few. I mean, he does a few cool karate moves to get uh, the the Neanderthals to let uh, Denise and Fontana go, and uh, you know he's he's pretty cool in the uh, in the. He's got some fight moves. You know, he's he wants to punch a guy shooting lasers at him, so he's he's got courage. He's got heart. He's yeah. definitely enthusiastic about the about his revenge. Yeah, he's all for it. So. And so they go to get revenge. That's that's pretty much yeah. where we go from there. The 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 group is set. We have all the exposition for the movie is is yeah. done. And so the writing seriously goes. Okay, bad guys palace. Here we go. Yeah. Well, and they actually have like this really. They they tried to make it a sentimental scene and almost it's almost a RoboCop scene, which even though this this predates RoboCop by a year, um, where Mandroid is they're at, they're campfire they're like the night it's like the night before battle right yep and uh mandroid's like you know i don't really feel like i'm human i don't want to live as like as a machine and once reeves is dead i'll, I'll have no future and denise Cros- crosby and it's like i can't self-terminate my program permits me from self-termination <laughs> and uh uh he's like hey denise once we're done killing reeves will you kill me and she's like no because you have a lot to live for and you're still human because you have some memory and blah and that kind of goes nowhere um, but it's touching anyway. You know, they tried. Yeah, they did try. And all they're really doing is setting up Manborg for our shit ending, um, which we're going to get to soon. They, they established <laughs> that he wants to die, which comes, yeah. comes into play, um, as the final conflict kind of rolls through. Uh, so yeah, they, they have the night before, uh, spot went missing cause they told him to go scope out the palace. He comes back and he's like swearing, I guess. And then, uh, and then Kuji has been corrupted. He's yeah. been corrupted. He starts like a Jedi <laughs> training robot shooting everyone with uh, butt zapping lasers. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so Kuji breaks him because he has to. Uh, and, and and then we get um, Wizard of Oz face. Of, well, we uh, find out. Yeah, he's been possessed by the spirit of Doctor Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's really somehow. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of weird because they 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 make it. They, they talk about how it's a hologram um, as the guy's talking, but. We get the big old floating, you know, Oz head of of Reeves, yeah. and and but Kuji, but it comes broke. out of steam or smoke or whatever that emanates from Spot's body. It's yeah, just weird. Like who's been chopped we, in half? He's a broken like we machine. Cracked, we cracked open like a, a vase or some soul escaped a vase or something. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. Well, it, it 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 did seem weird. It, it almost I I almost thought they were having something spiritual pop up in the movie this close to the end. I was starting to get upset, and then they just said, "Oh, it's a hologram." I'm like, okay, kind of a shitty hologram scenario. <laughs> it would have been better if 
the, the way they should have had that is, is, you know, Denise Crosby's character says, oh, you know, Spot's not back yet. Where is he? And then he comes floating back and he sets down and they're like, hey, you know, because they, they sent Spot to scope out an entrance into the palace. So have Spot come back, have him not make sense when he's talking, and then all of a sudden have him lock up and then the hologram comes out and he then he starts saying, shooting lasers. He just starts saying blah, 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 target, blah, blah, target, greasy, greasy. And then... <laughs> But then, like the ho- the whole hologram emanating, like you crack an egg and and the steam, like I don't know, it just uh, it's like they should just had like his face on the little screen because they blue screen that anyway for some shots. Yeah, and, and that just be, like a little message that plays and then goes as uh, Spot finally blows up. Two weeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I actually would have, yeah, I actually would have really liked that. I would have liked if, even even if it was just Reeves's eyes appeared on spot, like he's inside spot, you know, that, that would have been cool. And then, and then he starts shooting lasers and then Kuji breaks him and then they're like, oh, spot. And then, you know, spot, because after spot dies, he does get his faceplate to show the schematics for the palace. Yeah. Uh, and and so Denise Crosby's like Spot always coming through, you know. There's Spot gets a cool send off. We we get to still care about him. They didn't just kill him. Yeah. Be like, oh well, Spot's dead. Um, she didn't say it with half the emotion that you just did. I don't know if Denise Crosby <laughs> is capable of half emotion anything. <laughs> Again, Denise, we love you. We really do. But you are not the best at expressing yeah. emotion. Uh, yeah. and, and which is, which is unfortunate, but yeah, <laughs> this was a, a scene to look really, really sad. Cause not only your invention, but your friend, basically your child just died and yeah. it's kind of like, Oh, well he's still got, she's like, well, but she's like, I'll make another one anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I got the blueprint on my 3d printer. I'll have another one yeah. done in like eight <laughs> hours. Yeah. So, so they start to go to get in, they get into the palace, uh, uh, when they get into the palace, there's all this Roman shit and, you know, they're sneaking, sneaking stealthily, stealthily into the palace while Mandroid starts a, a distraction at the front gates, right? Sneaky, quiet, mm-hmm. stealthy. Mm-hmm. And then Fontana steals a fucking crown and causes an alarm to go off. Well, cause it's gold and he's greedy. Uh, yeah. It, and it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's, I understand the scene. Like, I understand, like, the greed of the hero can fuck things up. I That would have been fine. I actually would not have cared so much about the scene. But they have this extended, like, few seconds where Fontana, Fontana's trying to get the crown back on the statue to make the alarm shut off. And it's just kind of, it keeps going, and then he runs off. And then we don't see them get captured, but they bring them out later, captured, to, to fuck with Manborg. Yeah. And it's kind of like, why, like, why do that? You know, like (laughs) I, I would actually would have been okay with us not seeing them get captured. If it it would have been better if, you know, they're like, Fontana, don't touch that. He's like, I I've earned something from this trip and he lifts it up and the alarm goes off and they all kind of look at each other and then it just cuts. Yeah. Cause he thought they were looking for Aztec gold anyway. That's why he wanted like a third of their cut of whatever, you know, they found. And so like he, I thought he was going to have like a, I hate to mention the aberration that is kingdom of the crystal skull, but you know how, uh, what's his name goes crazy in the, the treasure room at the end where he's like, Oh, I'm a capitalist Indy. And, uh, he wants all the gold and then he gets sucked into the vortex cause he stayed behind to get the gold. Yeah. Um, like I thought it was going to be kind of like that where Fontaine, not like that so much where he's mal- malignant, uh, Malignant. Kind of evil. He was malignant um, to this movie, that's for sure. No, uh, <laughs> I, I forgot the word uh, where he has malevolent uh, intentions or ulterior yes. motive. Yeah, 
it could have been played differently. I don't know. Yeah, and like, and but also it could have been like, oh look, something shiny, and like uh, Denise slaps his wrist or something. Like, hey, that's not why we're here. We'll we'll get that afterwards or something. I don't know. Yeah, they could have even had the whole thing to where she slaps his wrist and says, "What do you want? An alarm to go off?" And then she steps over and like her foot breaks a beam and alarm goes off. And they alarm there's goes that off. yeah yeah there's that comic <laughs> moment of like she's the one who fucked up, not Fontana. That like yeah. even that would have worked. Uh, but because of that, we end up with our protagonists all uh, in a shrinking uh, death sphere uh, while Manborg is all <laughs> fucked up because they shot the shit out of him. Well, okay, so Reeves, because Reeves has been tinkering with himself the whole movie, right? Yes, we've seen him a couple times we, getting younger-ish. Yeah, well, when, when we first see him, he's like hooked up to some kind of weird dialysis machine he just plugs into real quick and turns on and then... He's got like a fucked up face in a couple scenes, like he's doing skin grafts or some shit. Yeah. And then finally he comes out and then he's got his, what he shoots his henchman in the dick with is he's got an Iron Man left arm all of a sudden with the mounted laser and he, and he levitates his henchman and puts him down, then shoots him in the dick. Yeah. Baseball, you know, help dark helmet style. <laughs> um, but then when he comes out, he's got, he's in the full Iron Man suit except a, a helmet. Or, yeah. And he's got the. Roy Dotris needed to be seen, I guess. Yeah, and he has the um, big, he has the big Caesar, the fluffed out Caesar cape, and he has and, the shield, and the authentic shield. Yeah. Yep, and he's mad. and his laser, uh, he, his armor is impenetrable, and his laser will fuck up even Mandroid's armor. Yes, so, and and that's why I was calling him yeah. Mecha Caesar because he's kind of yeah. he's kind of ordained with the same tech that Mandroid had. Yeah. He kind of made and, himself into a bit of a cyborg, and we we call him Mecha Caesar because his plan, as our heroes find out by observing all of his Roman shit. And then I guess he took the time even to write out his intentions on parchment. Yes. Uh, in Latin, in Latin, yep. which uh, Denise Crosby translates for us. He intends to use his time travel machine to go back and rule ancient Rome, which I feel is a little too far back in time to go to, to be a ruler. A little too primitive. Yeah. Plus he's going to, he's going to miss indoor plumbing. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Well, especially when, you know, he's all like, like hot and bothered for all like the orgies and, Rome had and then realizes yeah. that those orgies are at somewhere that has no plumbing. Yeah. I mean, and just all, think about that. <laughs> and like, where is he going to recharge his suit? Like, is it solar powered? Is it, you know, does he have an arc reactor? I, you know, it's like, well, I don't think he thought this through. Yeah, it does. It, it's a very, <laughs> it's a convoluted evil villain plan because usually, usually when the the bad guy wants to rule the world, he wants to re rule the world as is, or he wants to go into the future and he knows he knows he's so powerful he can rule in the future with even cooler shit, or he wants to go all the way back in time to just blow the world up so that there is no world because he hates it so much. Yeah, or it's like the Twilight Zone episode where the guy wants to go back in time to make his business deals like years before he did so he can make even more money and be even richer in the future, you know? Yeah. And, but this guy maybe, and like they couldn't set it up, like maybe he has an obsession with ancient Rome or Emperor or Caesar or Tiberius or Aurelian or some kind of period in Rome where or he wants to stop the birth of Christ or really just fuck up the world's timeline just out of some personal desire of some kind of, you know, no, just he, he's a greedy white guy who wants to go back and rule the Roman empire. Yep. It, it would, it even would have worked if he said something like, I, I want to go back and bring my technology to the Roman centurions and I will train them with my tech and then bring them to the future and I will rule with iron centurions, you know, something even something yeah. bizarrely fucking stupid would have been better than, I want to rule Rome. Yeah. 
<laughs> it just it's, <laughs> it's just kind of a cop out uh cop out motivation for for the main bad guy. Yeah. So he shoots the shit out of Mandroid with his laser. <laughs> um, Mandroid is busy deflecting all this. You know, he's drawing his fire just because he's the only one who can take it. I mean, Fontana gets shot. It's a, just a flesh wound. And Koji's like, man, I wonder the one we're going to get close enough to punch this guy, but he can't because he'll get shot. And so uh, Mecha Caesar just puts him in, puts the th- our three heroes remaining into a, a static bubble that is shrinking that will pro- uh, presumably crush and electrocute them to death at the same time. Yeah, I'm assuming it'll be and, something like 13 Ghosts style where they yeah. just get squished oh, flat. Ugh. And uh, he, he considers that we're done here. He thinks he's won, goes in to activate his time machine. Mandroid uh, electrocutes himself to break that bubble. Our three heroes rush in and do nothing. And they watch helplessly as he goes back in time to 77 BC, I think it was. And then Fontana punches the keyboard, which sends him even further back in time to it's, 400 million years ago. Yeah, 400 million and BC. So he's basically like <laughs> in prim- primordial Earth. There's like, yeah, it, it was actually even back, back past. It was like four. It was like 44 billion. Or it was something ridiculous. There were, it was some. Yeah, like the, yeah. Not, there's probably not even oxygen in the atmosphere at that point. In, yeah, in Earth's history. So. Yeah, the, the most. The, there's enough that he gets to walk out of his capsule and. Do his no, <laughs> which we had so much fun with that. I think I yelled con. No, I I did the Vader no. I think you said yeah. con. But we yeah. it, it was it was probably one of the most. It was super stereotypical bad guy no. Like you're saying, it was just the cool. he looks around, he raises his arms, he goes no. Yeah. And it's like how I guess is his overconfidence or just like his Korean-made time machine or whatever that it didn't have controls. <laughs> That he could control it from the capsule. It had to, you know, was the console back home, or that he didn't think to lock the console before he left in his one-way trip. Uh, yeah, you know, lock it in like only seventy-seven BC. Even if someone punches the computer, it won't go anywhere else. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe <laughs> it's like, uh, maybe it's like uh, quantum leap, and he can't, like, he doesn't get to control it. Yeah. He's got to ask a hologram of his best friend um, <laughs> how, how to get back <laughs> by falling in love with a rock in primordial. I was going to say, Earth. he's a little too far back to change Earth's history in any way. <laughs> well, he could do some etchings, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and so so when, they, when they're getting to the bad guy, we kind of skipped over, but Manborg, uh, they think he's, the bad guy thinks he's dead. So yeah, he goes, he, he's basically like old man who shot shotguns at the crows. Uh, that were on his yard. And so when the crows are gone, he's like, I'm going back inside. So Mecha Caesar goes back inside and Manborg is barely not dead. He's, he's, he's a bit like Wesley about 20 minutes after he ate the pill to bring him back to life. Like he's a little mostly dead. Yeah. He's mostly dead. Uh, but he, he crawls over and and as you said, like he, he, he electrocutes himself because he realizes that his, I guess he realizes his energy can nullify, the energy from the bubble. So he kind of absorbs it all and he gets what he wanted. He dies. Yeah. So that's kind of, that. that's kind of why, where it was brought or where it came full circle with the whole pseudo emotional part we had with Denise Crosby yeah. earlier when he's like, you know, I want you to dismantle me. So we, we did get, I guess we got the, I, I don't know. I, I've, I've explained this to you before, but I'm a super huge fan of the hero never wins thing um because i feel like that's more real uh the the best absolute best example of this i can say is pitch black when you know (laughs) 
when when she's pulling when she's pulling uh Vin Diesel away, she's like, I'll die for them, but I won't die for you. And as soon as she says it, she gets pulled off into the darkness by one of the aliens, right? And he's like, yeah. Not for me. Like that's a immensely emotional moment. And it's a cool thing of like the hero, the hero, the only way to actually be a hero is to not see the victory of what you put the work in for. That's how you're a hero. And mm-hmm. and Manborg, they tried that with this movie, but it's it's just kind of it's just kind of dumb. Like it should have been, he was still alive when he got out and you know, Denise Crosby's like, just hang on, we'll get him. I'll fix you. And he's in, and he's like, and he's like, no, this is what I want. And you know, they drag him and they like set him up against a wall and he has a final moment like that. That's better. Yeah. I said he dies and then they, they do the bunch of the computer thing and then the movie ends. They're like, Oh, we won. And they laugh like the episode uh, end of and Star freeze Trek. Frame. And it's freeze frames. Like they could have had, uh, you know, Fontana finds his gold scene like hey I looks like I got rich off this trip after all or you know or man mandroid has like you said his last dying moments were to say thank you or to I don't know just it just ends yeah it, it, it's it so really, unsatisfying it really does or or would have been what would have been way way better is they you know they 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 punch the time machine you know, and, and, and it breaks, you know, sends the bad guy, you know, way back and he can't do any harm and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And have them like they're walking out and they're, they're about to, you know, they're about to just leave. And then, you know, Manborg like flips over and says, what, leaving me behind. And then, you know, like, and then, like, oh, have, yeah. then like have the happy freeze frame. Like they found like, their friend and their friend's still alive. Like what if he dragged himself to his mobile unit and that recharged his circuits or something, you know? Yes. And that, rebooted his CPU. How cool would that have been? Yeah. Or, or even have it to where, um, have it to where during the fight, they do blow like a piece off of Mecha Caesar or something. And Manborg manages to use that to like yeah. fix himself or something. But, but like you said, Charles Bass, he's got there, he's there with a cigar and he's like, well, they stopped the villain. Okay. Movie's over. We don't need to spend any more time filming any denouement or <laughs> Any sort of, you know, we're done here. Movie's over. Just package it. Let's go. Have, we got to make puppet masters. Let's go. <laughs> okay. No joke. Um, take some time and look up pictures of Charles Band. And uh, Charles, if you hear this, you probably won't. But if you do, I don't He's hate like a crazy you. bald man. He's a crazy bald man, right? He looks like a guy who makes softcore porn and bad yeah. sci-fi movies. He looks yeah. the part. Um, looks he's a bit sleazy. Yeah, he, he's he's a. I keep comparing him to Roger Corman, but it really is true. Like you, you hear Roger Corman talking, and you just see him, and you're like, oh, Roger yeah. Corman sounds like he's explaining quantum physics to you. Like, <laughs> I, first of all, what I do is I take the camera and I put it in the very best spot, and then we use as little film as possible, and then I get the best special effects artist I can. It's like. Yeah, that that is true. Professor Alwyn, is that you? <laughs> it it that is true. Uh, Roger Corman, I do have to admit, has such finesse. I bet you uh, he could be talking to me, explaining to me why I'm going to take my pants off and hand them to him, and I'll do it and not realize I'm doing it. Be like, wait, how did you? What happened? Roger but, Corman could sell me an extended warranty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's I, that good. Yes, Roger Corman can get you to buy the next year of Toyota Care. I'm yeah. telling you. <laughs> Charles Band, no. He Charles Band got me to buy. <laughs> he got me not to buy, but he got me to watch six Puppet Master films at this point. Oh so oh I mean, my. he's got something <laughs> going for him. And uh, he he even did that 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 super shitty movie. Uh, I I think I told you about this one, but the one called Skullheads. Heather and I bought it from that that used DVD place in California oh. with the intent of using it for B movie support group, and it was just so dry it wasn't bad there was a story and there were some cool kind of cool props but it was just dry and slow 
and very centered around incest. And and I was like, <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm out. Yeah, that's why <laughs> we out. that's why we didn't watch it on B movie support group. We're like done. You lost me at centered around incest. <laughs> not not just like dancing around it or it's on the periphery. It's not centered around incest. I'm out. Sorry. Yeah, uh, b- both. <laughs> Pre and post zombified incest. Just uh, there you go. Um, but yeah, so so that is the story of Eliminators. Everyone, uh, a, a movie that had absolutely amazing props, absolutely okay effects, an absolutely adorable robot, and the most disappointing ending since Han Solo got hug killed by his child in the terrible <laughs> in the terrible continuations of of uh, Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> At least there was some emotion to that. Yeah. I felt I felt something. I I felt betrayed. <laughs> That's something. That is true. <laughs> yeah. So so that is that is Eliminators. Although I do uh, I'll I'll give my kind of final note for the movie itself here though. I do re- highly suggest find the four sci-fi film set that has America 3000, Arena, Eliminators, and I forgot what the fourth mo- fourth film is on there. Um uh, Guardian something. Guardian. Oh, here it is. I have it right here. It's called Four Sci-Fi Movie Marathon. It's Arena, America, Three Thousand, The Time Guardian, and Eliminators. Okay. Two disc set. It's green. Four times the action. Four times the excitement. Ten bucks on Amazon. Uh, it's a shout. It's also shoutfactory.com. So you can find it probably easier that way. Yes. And uh, honestly, um, buy it. We haven't, we'll, we'll get to Time Guardian. Um, we have to do that now since we watch Eliminators. But honestly, buy that set. Uh, Arena is an immensely cheesy, but really <laughs> fun uh, sci-fi boxing movie. It's it's really cool. Uh, it's like mo- it's like mobsters rigging boxing in space. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> and Eliminators will disappoint you at the ending, but darn it, for that, for that tank suit, Steven, and just Jesus Christ, that tank well, suit. Watch the movie. <laughs> I want to. I'm looking at Time Guardian here, and the the tagline on the front is "Time is just about the only thing he won't waste." I'm sold. Yeah, we'll watch it. Let's let's go watch it right now. <laughs> I'll I guess drive over. I don't know. Stephen and I aren't in the same place. Uh, no. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to us ramble on about another movie. Uh, feel free to hit us up on uh, Spotify and uh, Anchor FM or uh, Google Podcasts for uh, other episodes as well as our proto episodes of this uh, or hit us up on YouTube. And uh, while you're on YouTube, you can uh, soon find our full uh movie commentary track for The Eliminators as well as others like Superman 4, Arizona Heat, Texas Lightning, to name a few. <laughs>